We are fortunate to have Pastor Sam Lewis with us today, and he's going to be wary of me because after the first service, I hugged him and got my finger hooked and ripped his glasses off his head. So, hey, if them's broke, brother, we'll buy you another pair, okay? <laughs> I understand if you don't want to stand close to me. But, uh... <laughs> Father, I love you, and I thank you for this man. I love him, lift him up to you. I just thank you for the message that you've placed on his heart. And, Father, just help us to be open, Holy Spirit, now as you work through him to speak to us, that we might apply it in our lives and be followers and doers and just hang out with you constantly in your word. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you, brother. Good morning. Can we all just clap our hands and give God some praise for a second. First service, I talk, talked about something different. Uh, I've been coming to Crossroads a little bit uh, for a couple years or so, and I'm learning that there's two different sets of crowds. So I am purposing to follow what the Lord knows. He knows all. I don't know as much as Him. He knows what's going on in your home. I don't. I'm just a messenger. But y'all look good. Y'all look really good. Give yourselves a hand clap of praise. It's all right. It's all right. So this morning, I'm going to talk about something different from the first service. Is that all right? Y'all cool with that? Um, and I didn't want to be caught off by surprise and not yield to God. Um, because I know what we are accustomed to. And so we'll just go ahead and go with the Lord, if that's all right. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, it's in the name of Jesus that we come. We thank you, O Lord, for this moment, this opportunity you have allowed us to be here. God of heaven, Lord, I pray, O Lord, that you bless us, O God. Open the hearts and the ears of your people that they may hear and receive what you have to say. God of heaven, bless us, O God. Touch us, O God. Help me, O oh God, move me out the way and you step in the way. Every thought be of yours, every word be of yours. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Who's Kevin? Kevin, raise your hand, Kevin. Yeah, what's up? I never knew who you were. Okay, it's nice to, it's texting him. He's the one that got uh, me up on the screen there. Looking good, looks like I got a gold tooth in that picture. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, now, this is, the, the title of this lesson is Why? And some of you may ask, why did he name it Why? Well, stay with me and hopefully we'll figure it out uh, with the help of the Lord. We're in Psalm 42, Psalm 42. This is a psalm that is dealing with the protective nature of God, which creates a longing for God. I kind of explained in the first chapter, in the first one, that psalms broken down into five divisions. So, and each division has a theme that it deals with. So, this particular theme is... This is responding to the worship of God's protective nature. You have the chief musician writing here to the sons of Korah. In a sense, they are referencing David, who is, uh, we all know, if you read the Bible or you've ever been in church for a moment, I'm sure you've heard the name of David. And so I sense in this house, this is more of a younger crowd, family crowd as children, then uh, starting families or getting ready to get married or thinking about getting married, you're in love with someone, you're thinking about asking them, but your palms are sweaty and you're nervous, you know, all kinds of stuff in this particular setting. Uh, and then we have the, the pressures of life, the family man, the family woman, just pressure and different things that go on. And if you're like me, you have moments in your life where you just ask, why? Okay, I only got one, so y'all got it together. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, y'all just got to listen anyway then. Uh, so we all in here ask, why? Why this? Why that? In this particular text, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's a good picture, Kevin. And that's what it does to you. The, the gentleman in the blue, he scratches his head. And then you have those, they just don't understand why. But here it is. The Bible says, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Psalm 42, verse 1. Let's, let's, let's break this down. This is imagery here that the psalmist is using. In this text, there's a lot of movement, contextual movement is what they call it. He moves quite a bit. But in this first one, he is talking about imagery, and he adds, as a deer that panted after the water brook. Now, in this particular moment here, we see that the psalmist is talking about that he is without water. He's at a place of desperation. He's at a place where he feels that everything within him has been taken out of him. And he has nothing left to give. Anybody ever felt like that before? How many feel like that right now? You can be honest. If, 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 if you're at a place, if you come to church and you can't be honest in church, then, hey, we in trouble. This is a place. And so at this moment, he's like a deer that's in 100 degrees weather, 
find something to drink. Trying to get to the water book and where the place what where we're just why? Why is it, Lord, that it seems like the more I try to dedicate myself to you, that's the more I'm challenged. Why is it, Lord, that the more that I long for you, the more and it seems you're getting further and further away. Lord. I want to get married, but it doesn't seem like things are coming together. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better wife. But but it seems like I'm at a place where the marriage is just dry. I got that attention now. Talking here, Holy Ghost. Because I'm thirsty for you. It is a proven fact we can live without food, but we can't live without water. It doesn't matter how much you like Coke, Pepsi, lemonade, somewhere in your day, you have to put some water in your body because the body begins to call for water. You can drink all the Cokes, you can drink a 24-pack of Coke, and you're still going to be thirsty. Because you're at a place where you're empty and your body is dried out. And you need something from the Lord. And so then he says in the second verse, he's like, I ain't done yet. My soul thirsteth constantly for you, Lord. For God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before me? So now he is saying, it's a question. The question mark indicates that it's a question. I learned that in English. So he proposes a question, Lord, when? When will you show up? Hmm. Lord, when will you begin to speak back to me? Because I'm constantly talking to you, and you ain't saying nothing back. So now he's at a place where he feels neglected because God is not speaking. And see, that's where a lot of us are. We feel neglected sometimes because of, of, of family members that have left us. That child that was supposed to be there. You put everything that you've had into that child, and then they don't give you a return like you would like. Yeah, I talk up in here. That job that you put time and time into, they gave your position away to some young guy. Fresh out of college. Or they moved your job. And you're saying, Lord, when will you speak back? Am I in the right place? When, Lord, look at where he is. Now he's desperate, feeling neglected. Now he begins to show an emotion, and he said, my tears have become my meat. That's all I've done is just cry out to you, Lord. That's all I've done is plead and ask for you, God. 
to show yourself right where I am. God, uh, why is it that I can't find love like I want to? Why is it, Lord, that I can't be loved? Why is it, Lord, let me talk up in here, that I have a husband, I have a wife, and I still can't accept their love? It's still not good enough for me. Lord, touch my mind that I may be able to be better. See, that's where we are. God, we need a touch from you. Lord, I don't need just anything, but this day right here, I need something different. I need a touch from the Lord on high. And when I come in here, God, I want to feel something different. I don't want to leave the same way that I came. But I want to leave feeling alive and rejuvenated because I've had a touch from the Lord. David knows all about it. But why do you continually say unto me, where are you? So now, not only, this is when it gets tricky. It gets tricky when other people know what's going on in your life. Yeah, I heard that. Mm-hmm. Because now, people know that I go to crossroads, but nothing seems to change. Then they propose the question, where is your God? That's what he says there. He, he, he goes to his festivals. He goes to the, 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 the normalcies of the day. And people begin to ask, where is your God? You go down there to the square every Sunday at 1030, giving your time to God. But then when you're in trouble, he's nowhere to be found. Where is your God? Why, Lord? Why me? See, sometimes we got to understand that we're a personal testimony for the Lord. See, sometimes we can't just always ask why and get an answer. I'm sure Job Anybody ever been suggested like Job? Maybe you're in a place where God can trust you to go through. God can trust you to go through because, yeah, we got to preach to everybody because there's some in here that you have a relationship with God and it's serious and you're going through. But now you're like, well, why am I going through to this degree? Because God can trust you to go through. You're not going to sit there and give up on God. You're going to continue to go through and say, God, I trust you. God, I believe you. Still confessing scripture. Still believing in the name of the Lord. Still telling everybody that you run into, Jesus saves and he loves you. No matter what's going on, I'm broke down, busted, and disgusted. But I'm still telling you right now, Jesus is going to bring me out. So then... So then what happens is he started to remember. Now, they teach in marriage counseling that when you hit a rough spot in the marriage, start to reminisce. 
I say that because that will begin to remind you of why you got married in the first place. And so, you know, yet the hair color has changed now. Yeah, you could see the belt buckle then. It was all nice. He, you would run your hand through his hair. Now you just kind of had it. You say, I remember when. It happens. But while you're reminiscing about how his hair used to flow when the windows were down, you start to think about the different times that you had together. And they're trying to create those memories. So then the writer said, when I remember. Uh -huh. See, sometimes we have to go back and just think about what God had already done for us. When these things pour out of my soul, it begins to change some things. Now, we have to do a little bookwork here. This is a song that is presented here. Verse 5 is the refrain. Then if you go over to verse 11, it's the refrain again. Then over in chapter 43, the same thing that is stated in verse 5 of 42 and verse 11 of 42, it all is stated for this particular reason. Now he says, why art thou cast down my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? He is saying there, why in the world am I murmuring? This word disquieted means to roar, cry aloud, to mourn, to rage. So in essence now, he is saying that somewhere in between there, I do have some rage about where I am. That's what he is saying. I have some rage. Where I am kind of makes me upset. Where I am right now, it is really challenging my mental capacity. But see, we have to learn how to thank God because some of the same people that was where you are, they blew their family's brains out. That's real talk. Some people in the same predicament that you were in, gave up, ended their lives, took the family's lives, the children's lives. This is stuff we see on the news. That's why we have to learn how to say, God, I thank you, even though I'm going through. Some people, that's when they turn to drugs because they felt there was no way they were ever going to get out of where they are. But he said, I'm disquieted, I got some rage. But at the end of the day, guess where my hope is? My hope is in God. So now, his confession begins to change. See, that's what we have to learn. We have to learn how to begin to speak differently in the midst of wherever we are. Because now he began to think about what God has done. 
And then he said, I'm still going to praise him. He said, I'm still going to thank him even though I'm in the midst of this battle. Even though my children are on drugs, I'm still going to praise him. Even though I'm working 60 and 70 hours of overtime just trying to provide, I'm still going to praise him. So why are we down and out when we still have Jesus who is alive? Why are we still crying over the same old thing when we got Jesus who is still alive? Oh, it's getting dirty. I feel I hear a few more. Why do we give up in the midst of the battle when Jesus said, I will never leave you? Nor will I forsake you. Lo, I'll always, man, I feel like preaching up in here. I'll always be with you. If God said he's always going to be with you, beloved, take that to the bank. Because he's never going to leave you. He's not going to drop you. He's always going to keep you in the palm of his hand. I'm getting too stirred up, Pastor. My fault. That's my fault. Hallelujah. Jesus on my side. He said, who the Son sets free is free indeed. So I got to be free because he died for me. Hallelujah. Ah, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Because now we have to understand why. I'm going to move from a why to guess what? I'm still going to praise him. I'm still going to clap my hands. I'm still going to wave my hands because I know Jesus is really real. He's very real. Loose your doubt. Don't doubt anymore. Change your confession. Change what you begin to speak. Start calling out the things that God has already done. In the church that I come from, there's an old saying that used to say, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Then I praise God for saving me. See, see, we, we get so focused on where we are that we stop remembering what God had already done. Didn't he bring you through a back surgery? Didn't he keep your mind? Didn't he heal you of cancer? Didn't he heal you of high blood pressure? Didn't he bring your daughter home safely, your son home safely? If he did it before, he can do it again. But now we got to start talking about it and telling somebody else, I know what my God is able to do. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that. Y'all going to make me preach up in here. I feel Jesus up in this place. Wake up and know that God is real. I'm charged, y'all. I've been preaching all weekend. That's why I've been preaching since yesterday. I'm charged up. Y'all just got the overflow. Because I know what God can do. Why would you not believe God? 
This is a real question. Has God ever given you a reason not to believe him? So why? Why do we continue to just wallow in the same place of nothingness? Everyone in here wants to be productive. That's what we that's what we do. We want to have productivity in our lives. But in the spirit realm, we'll settle for not being productive. As long as we have productivity in the natural, we're okay in the spiritual. But Snodgrass, I ain't cool with that, man. I got to see some productivity in my spirit, man. I got to go. I got to go. I, got, I really got to go. I'm quick. I got a whole lot more, but I got to quit. Why? Not again. You know what? I, I got this victory. If you come up here and you start, if you start coming up here, then I'll get off. Come on, come on. Y'all, y'all start, start moving. That's what Steve does. He just starts moving because he knows he's saying get riled up in the second circle. So do like Steve. Come on. <laughs>